0: I am Simone Cipriani, and I am an officer of the United Nations.
1: And I'm Claire Press, and I'm a sustainable fashion journalist.
0: You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. We can change the world.
1: Welcome back. This week, we've got a fantastic interview with someone from a sportswear icon, a giant. Simone, who are we Adidas, to? Adidas, we
0: have with us Sofia Mansi Oyuga, who is Senior Design Director at Adidas.
1: And you've actually got a lovely story about how you first encountered Adidas, right? Or Sophia yes, as well? Yes,
0: indeed, Sophia. Sophia. She wrote to us saying, "Listen, guys, I want to make some product in the continent. I'd like to work with you. I know what you do." And I said, "How can we meet? How can we discuss that?" And she said, "Come to meet us in in, in Germany at and the this headquarters." Was a while ago. A while ago, a few years, some years ago, six, or five or six years ago. And I went, and I was astonished to discover the headquarters of Adidas, which is a former, in in the premises of a former NATO base, a huge place full of sport facilities for their employees and with a central meeting place, which is just an arena for rock and roll concerts. And, you must have and loved that. Yeah, and, and they said, okay, now you speak to our employees during their lunch break. They all come here to listen to meaningful conversations. So we had this conversation in public she introduced me to several uh, managers uh, to the management of the company and we decided to go ahead
1: okay we're going to hear all about that and also we're going to unpack some of the key drivers towards more sustainable design looking at building sustainable practice into your product lines and
0: and also a practical example of how personal engagement on the side of brands on the side of senior management can bring about change can bring about sustainable products beautiful
1: let's get on with the show this is going to be fun Sophia Amancio Oyuga Senior Design Director at Adidas in Germany welcome to the ethical fashion podcast Thank you so much. (laughs)
2: Vielen Dank.
0: Hey, Sophia, it's so nice to have you here. I remember the first time I came to Adidas, you took me to speak to a large crowd of Adidas employees in that incredible rock and roll space that the company has at its own premises. Do you remember that?
2: Oh, yes. Sweet memories. Long time ago, many months ago.
0: <laughs> and then you, you, you immediately went to Kenya to work with our artisans.
2: Yes, I mean, we've been quite an, on, on quite a journey, both of us, right? And uh, I mean, journey, each moment indeed. that I remember from that journey it really puts a smile on my face. So it's so lovely to see you here again.
0: It's nice to hear you and to see you here again.
1: So what happened? Did you go there to present and pitch Adidas and say, we want to work with you at our facility in Kenya? Or did you go already knowing this was in the works, Simone? I want to know about your powers of persuasion. So already
0: knowing there was a possibility in reality, because Sophia is was the mastermind of this meeting and of this collaboration. She called us, she wrote, and she said, I would like to do something with you. I'd like to do something in 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 the continent and i'd like to do something with adidas and for us it was a great opportunity not only because of work but also because uh, testing our capacities with a, a giant like adidas with very structural procedures with a very well organized way of doing things but with an industrial way of doing things was a very important test for us. So that's why I, I went, as soon as I got a moment, I took a, a flight and then a train, uh, because the headquarters of Adidas are in, in, in quite a remote place in Germany. And they went there.
2: I mean, Simon, thanks again for coming to us out in, in the fields. I mean, the headquarter for Madi, this is really out there in a, in a small place. I always say in the fields with the flies, bees and <laughs> beautiful flowers. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it really, I mean, it started really, the, the journey started like... Uh, 10 years ago you know in in 2012 and that was when i had just come back from japan living and working in in tokyo and working uh, on y3 with with yoji's team and i had just come back and i happened to join it was really just a happy accident i must say i happened to join the luxury conference from suzy menkis do you remember that yes that was in 2012 right and it, it's the international heritage conference that really started it off for me and you know I remember Susie was um, inviting this wonderful man to stage and he started with a question. Is it possible to produce luxury fashion in the slums of Kenya? And my ears were open, you know. I mean, it was such a thought-provoking question and it, it really got all my attention. And I also listened to um, Omiyemi Akirele, right, the founder of Lagos Fashion Week, and she was talking about fashion business in Nigeria. And, and I was, you know, my eyes and ears got... You know, grew, and uh, I couldn't believe what I was hearing and how she's working with young creative talents across the continent already. And you know, remember this was ten years ago. So this was the beginning of talking about ethical fashion and sustainable fashion, or you know, anything purposeful storytelling that goes beyond product. So for me, that was really like starting on a totally new journey and pioneering on a new journey, and really inspired by your story, Simon,
0: and by. Honestly, because she was the one who immediately believed in us, who came yeah. to Kenya, yes. who came to the slums where we were working in Nairobi, to the rural areas where we were working, and who immediately supported our work and offered us possibilities of visibility, which were really precious for us in that moment. I would say that she is the first person to have believed and to have endorsed the ethical fashion initiative. We owe a lot to her, to her vision.
2: We do. I mean, I love Susie Menkes. And you know what's funny is when I did my master at St. Martins and um, we were showing in London Fashion Week, and she was writing about my collection that was inspired by fashion made uh, or made with Nigerian artisans, you know. And it's, it's funny how that brought me back to, to her and really brought us together as well. And I mean, you Susie see? Menkes is just, I mean, she, the whole fashion industry owes so much to her, right? And,
0: Indeed, there is no doubt about that. And the Ethical Fashion Initiative owes a lot to her. I remember pizza with potatoes uh, prepared, baked in a community of um, uh, orphans in, in the middle of nowhere on the Gong hills with her everything started from there sophia let's start with the power of an iconic brand like adidas when it comes to communication and purpose driven storytelling you can really change the culture you can really change the conversation when you decide to engage isn't it so
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really true. You can change culture, you can change the conversation. And, you know, it starts really with having courage to take the first step and planting one seed at a time, right? And it's really starting with... Or committing to a vision that is bigger than yourself, like you have, right? And partnering up then with like-minded people as you start on that journey that you don't know where it's lead. I mean, you know where you want to arrive, but you don't know which ways you have to go, really. And it's really, for me, it's also when you bring all of yourself to work, you know, your passion, your experience, your dreams, your values, and... I mean, in Adidas, um you probably know we have this um belief through sport we have the power to change lives. And for me, this belief is really something that inspires me daily. and And I remind myself, I remind my team and in all our projects, you know, it's like let's remember, we have the power to change lives for so many reasons, working in Adidas, you know? And um I mean, you're saying the power of an iconic brand like Adidas is an iconic brand, and it is a much loved sports brand, right? You know, what's what's interesting is how uh, often in these
1: conversations that we have on this podcast or with designers, we've got this kind of Western lens on it and we say, mm-hmm. oh, people, it's so exciting to be working with this or that iconic designer that shows in Paris or whatever. But when I went to, to the artisan fashion facility in Nairobi, they were actually making some of the pieces for Adidas. And that was the thing that the makers were so excited about. They were like, yeah. whoa, this this was something they knew. This wasn't yeah. something to be introduced to. This was something they absolutely aspired to. They were so excited to be making Adidas, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost like a universal. Yeah. It's so famous all around the world yeah. that people... Yeah. It's so unique
2: because it unites sport and culture and has shaped over decades many, let's say, first memories for young people and their culture. And across the world, whether you grew up in Germany, like myself, or in the UK or Italy, or whether you grew up in Kenya or Tanzania or Japan, right? Yeah, as I said, it's connecting sport and culture and music, which is super powerful, And just thinking of all the people that we work with, right, from Run DMC back in the days and Missy Elliott to Pharrell these days. And um, sport and music is such a universal language that we are connected to. And I still remember when when I went to Nairobi and worked with the the artisans uh, and we worked on the um, embroidery for Pharrell. And suddenly, you know, we heard them singing "Happy" from Pharrell, and that was <laughs> such an emotional moment to see these lovely ladies embroidering um, our, uh, yeah, our, our leather parts and uh, and singing "Happy."
0: You take me to, to a point I wanted to touch in this conversation because Adidas is about innovation, no doubt about that. It's about also innovation in the relationship with consumers, in mobilizing them, in, in following them and everything, as you said. But Adidas is also an, an industrial producer, and a large company, while in this case you accepted working with uh, uh, an entity that was mainly based on, on artisanal production, on craftsmanship. So h- how do you see the relationship in between this craftsmanship and this world of innovative industrial production? Uh, how do you see them colliding? Uh, they they at, at first sight for somebody coming from outside, they could look like two completely different words, But in our case, in a certain moment, for a certain period, they got along well. Isn't it so?
2: Yeah. And, you know, for me, this really comes from the experience that I have in Y3. You know, for me, innovation, craftsmanship have, are really connected and are mutual. And, and if you think, I mean, if you really think of traditional crafts and, you know, how They are the result of refining technique over time, constantly innovating, if you will, you know, so innovation, craftsmanship, they are connected and working on Y3, you know, we were working with Yoji's incredibly big pattern library on the one hand that has been developed and perfected over decades in, in cut and how things drape on the body. And on the other hand, we brought it together with our innovative fabrics, you know, the very high-tech functional sport fabrics. And we, we always love to talk about future craft, you know? So for me, this concept of bringing handmade craftsmanship, something, you know, where the, the you know, the human touch is involved together with something very high-tech is, is something that, you know, I've been practicing since I started in Adidas. What did you learn from working with Yoji Yamamoto at Y3? Oh, that's
0: a very good point.
2: <laughs> oh, well, from working with Yoji, it was really the, the beauty to take time and to value the time that you spend, you know. So the process itself was already, you know, from preparing your paper pattern to really putting in the time and the love to creating a, a piece was was really valuing the beauty of craftsmanship and slowing down.
1: Does he love the whole process? Does he love that Ooh. beginning? Right,
2: yeah. He is about the millimeter and still to today uh, he's really about the millimeter how, you know, a garment hangs from the shoulder. And if the millimeter is doing the difference then that pattern is is done from scratch and and uh, the toile is made again, you know. So it's really investing time and dedicating yourself to uh, craftsmanship.
1: I love these fashion stories about the kind of masters and what it is that makes them tick. He's a yeah. sensei. <laughs> and
0: that museum of Yoji in in, in Tokyo is outstanding. Uh, you make me think one, one, one other thing that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, these things are can get along well, but there's an issue in uh, the relationship between craftsmanship and uh, uh, high technology, innovative production, and so on, which is the cost of labor, the productivity yeah. of labor, not the cost of labor. The productivity of labor is very high in a very innovative, innovation-driven environment with heavy investments and so on in equipment and all the rest, and in a very conductive business environment while in a, in a, in a craftsman, in, in an artisanal setting, maybe also in the places where we work, the labor is, is not so productive because of several environmental factors, business factors and so on, but also because of the nature of the work to be done. So uh, do you think there is the possibility to really find a way to bring these two different worlds in terms of productivity of labor closer so that a, a company like Adidas or an innovative company, let's not even speak about Adidas, let's speak in general, an innovative company can include some work of the artisans having a proper remuneration of labor, which means having a remuneration of labor which is based on a different scale, not the Mm. scale of the company, but the scale that needs Mm. to be used, for instance, to calculate the living wage for the
2: artisan. I love this question, you know, and uh, just thinking about it. I mean, for us as a brand... Of course, we think of how can we scale things up, right? And because we're a a big global um, brand. But on the other hand, you know, if you think of innovation or being innovative, it's not only about technology and uh, technology that brings, you know, new innovative products, but it's also innovating how you think or how you approach things, how you do things. So I think we are in a moment in time in the fashion industry, especially in the last two years where we need to innovate our thinking and the innovative part is often bringing us back to tradition and traditional techniques and slowing down right we talk a lot about that and bringing uh, making space for slowing down allowing more time allowing labor like you described that um, you know needs to be i mean paid in a in a Uh, way that is ethical and you know really making space for that so for me if you think of innovation in a broader sense that really touches all parts of life not only the production side but also process and thinking and how we live that's when you make room for you know innovation craftsmanship for me. Sophia what's your
1: role at Adidas? We know you don't work on the sustainability team but how important is sustainability to you from a design perspective and how are you able to focus on it in your work?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you introduced me so nicely already. So, yeah, I'm a senior design director. So I'm leading the originals brand design team. Um, so I'm on the lifestyle side of Adidas. We have the performance and the lifestyle side. And I'm very blessed to work with a very talented creative team that is super passionate uh, and very much purpose driven. So everything we do in touch in our team is is coming from a place and, and a heart that is, um, you know, really wanting to provide purpose and meaning. And from, you know, just from my role, we are the guardians of the incredible heritage that we have in Adidas. And we are known for iconic superstar in culture, right? The sneakers, we are known for the three stripe tracksuits, we are known for products. And in my role, we are the guardians, yes, of, of that history and uh, for creating creative direction, identity and tonality. But for me, it's also about the question, how does the trefoil or how does originals and the trefoil is, is our branding, right? How does it make you feel? And when you wear our iconic product or when you walk into our store, when you see our images, our stories, how do you feel? Do you feel connected with yourself? Do you feel a sense of belonging, you know, and that's when sustainability, inclusivity, all these, you know, conversations really play an important role. They are connected to storytelling. And as we, as humans and as life is ever evolving, so the answers to life or the questions and answers in life, the stories, the images need to evolve. And in my role, um, of course, I'm not part of the core team for sustainability, I'm uh, closer to inclusivity, but all these conversations are connected when it comes to identity, to tonality, to storytelling.
0: uh, Yeah, absolutely. They are connected. And sustainability is a whole word we have touched here in this conversation. The social side, mostly of sustainability, but as we both know, there is also an environmental side. And this makes me think about... The global ESG movement, no, mm. around the sustainability and all the ESG due diligence as a management tool and all the rest, but also as design. I think about design as uh, the stage in which you start building the sustainability of a product. So, mm. uh, how do you see this relationship between design, designers, and and ESG and and sustainability discipline?
1: I was thinking, even though obviously you're not sitting down formulating the sustainability goals or setting mm. the targets or looking at the detail of the tools that you have at your disposal, as a designer, you can't mm. escape it, right? Because you've got to think about material choices. You've got mm. to deliver the product mm. that performs aesthetically and, and function-wise mm. or using the materials that have been signified as preferred or you've got to actually put it into practice, right? Yes. As a
0: designer, you decide where the product is made because depending on the skills that you put in it and everything. So uh, the, a designer has a role in yes, building absolutely. the sustainability of a product.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, in a way, it's part of our daily conversation. And, you know, especially looking at the new generation of designers and consumers, they really demand to be more responsible you know so it's different to when i started as a designer the new generation is all about it it's it's part of their life it's it's not even a question and i see designers that are coming in and really engaging with all their heart and mind in the conversation and they hold us the older generation accountable you know we hold each other accountable and i can see especially with the new generation they enjoy working with this responsibility it's it's part of the way they approach design anyways. It's the new normal for them. And um, I mean, in Adidas, we have constant education and re-educating ourselves, but we are also always engaging in the conversation around, you know, what is really Sustainability, you know, what does it mean for us? Because you can approach it in different ways. If you just think of is it leather, pleather, vegan leather, you know, in the bigger picture, what is doing more harm or giving adding more value? You know, is it a leather that can age nicely and it's timeless and you have it for a long time, or is it the vegan leather, or is it pleather and is that, you know, causing more rubbish? Um, so, you know, it's really how can I say, it, it's really engaging with this conversation. I don't think we all have the final answer, but we're all on that journey and becoming sustainable is a journey, right? And um, we're all responsible in this cycle of making and consuming.
0: You got a very good point. You got a very good point. and And where things are made and how they are made matters. Matters yeah. a lot, it's true. Yeah. And in your case, in the case of the collaboration that Adidas had with us, it mattered also for another Reason, because it was I think the first time that Africa uh, Adidas was producing in Sub-Saharan Africa, in, yes. in in the whole of the continent, and yes. people spoke about that. People spoke about that in the in the in the wider international business environment in the global supply chain. This gave, oh, even though it was a small experiment, but it gave a lot, a huge endorsement to uh, sub-Saharan Africa as a a place where you can carry out production, where you can send production. So these are also the unexpected but important reasons why where you work may be extremely important. Isn't it so?
2: Yes. And uh, I mean, for me, it was important also for a personal reason, right? I mean, we're talking ethical uh, fashion initiative, right? You, you're all about ethic and sustainable production. But for me, it was also very personal. You know, being Afro-German, I have always been aware of the opportunity that I had just being born and growing up in Germany and earning my living doing what I love, right? Working in the fashion industry and um, with every family trip that I take back to East Africa, I'm reminded that not everybody in my family had the same opportunity. And from that, I had this, this, um, you know, passion and, and this question always came up, how can I give opportunity to young creatives, people who, who love creating, like myself, in, uh, in Africa, especially in East Africa? You know, and I came from the question, I mean, you had the question, luxury made in Africa, is it possible? And my question was, Adidas made in Africa, is it possible, right? And how can I create opportunities to connect the sports brand? And uh, a sports brand on, that is really creating on, uh, you know, I mean quantities, to uh, handmade, made in Kenya. And uh, then, I I, I mean, it was so beautiful when Pharrell came um, and uh, started to work on a collection with Adidas that was inspired by Kenyan marathon runners. I don't know if you remember the the story that actually brought us back to to Kenya. It was really Pharrell's um, inspiration of Kenyan marathon runners. And my question was, why don't we connect to the artisans that are in the neighborhood of the runners in Kenya, right? Why not creating with people from the country who inspire the story and tell their story and connect the consumer and the creators and their story? So really bring it all together and connecting the artisans from that part of the world to a global creative platform. And I always love how, you know, I mean, that is how you also pitched to us back then. You know, we are all about creating work. It's not charity, but work, you know, and it's really seeing eye to eye, partnering up and connecting the artisans in that part to a global creative platform so for me it was such a joy. You
1: talked about diversity and inclusion as being part of your remit and also part of the way that you frame sustainability for yourself in terms of Mm. purpose. Can we talk about the Adidas framework for this so in 2020 they redefined I guess their statement behind it and they talked about diversity equity and inclusion as championing individual uniqueness and cultivating a culture of belonging so that everybody can create at their best what does that mean in practice I mean it has to be about more than the creative side right it has to be about representation in the boardroom in the teams is it also about equity of who makes what how how do you see it
2: Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we've started this journey of inclusivity or DEI um, a couple of years back and it was a slow journey that started and and really, of course, gained momentum as well with uh, the the conversation around the world, right, also um, brought us back and connected us more to the whole conversation. And when I think of inclusivity, and I always say to my team as well, it really starts inside Inside our team, it starts inside our brand, inside our worlds, right? And it it really starts with the way we engage with each other, you know, listening to the most junior, most quiet, to the most senior and loud and expressive person and really seeking different thoughts and, and new dreams of everyone in the room. And understanding the different experiences we have. So I come with an Afro-German experience, and I work with people who have a British, or a Japanese, or a US American, or a Chinese uh, experience, and different cultural references and experiences. And it's really staying curious, and open, and um, yeah. And, and I'm always aware we're a global company, but our headquarter is in Germany, in Europe. And I think you said it earlier. You know, it's uh, our connection, or let's say our lens, is very. At, at least for myself, I have to admit, my lens is, is uh, German and European. And it's it's really important to remind myself always to stay curious and to have open eyes and ears and an open heart. And, and that is the culture we, um, you know, really encourage. And it's, again, it's a journey, you know, and we are all on that journey. And um, for me, I'm always passionate about bringing diverse people to the creative table, it's uh, it's a joy for me personally, and I know it has also value to our work and our conversations and to everyday life. Yeah,
1: is it also a challenge though? I mean, systemic. We've we we have not had equity and diversion and inclusion embedded in the fashion industry. Full stop, from a systemic level, never mind one brand. And I think now we're facing a kind of which is good global reckoning on this, where actually just saying, I'm going to try harder is not enough. Like We need to have measurable targets of we're going to achieve this much representation. We're going to um, reach this and that target. How do you approach that when it comes to design and creative
2: collaborations? I mean, as a brand, we do have targets, clear targets, and uh, we do have, um, you know, a framework in place, of course. But for me, it's always more important to live it, you know. And um, for me, coming to work, it's just my way of, being of leading of bringing people in of recruiting of you know also inspiring my peers my colleagues my team to do the same so yes we have a framework and we're accountable to that um, but for me it's much more important to then also really live it from your heart of course it's not always perfect because sometimes you look for talent and it doesn't come uh, it doesn't tick all the boxes of diversity that you want. So it's always, you know, case by case, you, it's honestly, you know, always a, you know, yeah, balancing what is it what you need and what can you find. But I, you know, I never take the the first best solution and neither does my team. And we always seek the different voices that we can bring in. And it's not only for hiring, you know, it's also the people you choose to work with on projects, because we work with a lot of external partners. So there, we are really intentional to seek out the different people. And and we are interested not only in their work, but also their story, their life you know, because that makes them in what they bring to work. So um, this is really important. So I was going to say, I mean, Pharrell's pretty good. (laughs) Pharrell is good for a start, but it's not only people that are as well known as Pharrell, right? For us, there's two things how, I mean, I approach it with my team, uh, and that is always co-create on product and storytelling. So we're really intentional about it and bringing people in where we can invite young talents or the likes of Pharrell and Beyonce to our creative tables, right? And and we are always identifying new opportunities where we can bring in somebody to a project or a collection. And the other thing is, it's not only bringing people in, it's also how we go out in culture and not only stay behind our laptop in our four uh, walls somewhere in um, the midst of the fields in Bavaria, right? It's really going out in culture and immersing ourselves in cities and, and the culture of the people there. We've just been in Berlin. I know it's around the corner it's in Germany but um, you know it's a city that is very yeah mixed and and has a lot of subcultures and just whilst we were working there we had a photo shoot there we're also hanging out with the local creatives and you know allowing them to impact us to influence us so I think that's really important it's it's living it and um, yeah DEI for me it's a journey forever evolving I
1: gotta ask you I feel like I'm putting you on the wire but I've got to ask it are you paying them then
2: Yes, of course, and that is very important. Allowing
1: them to influence you doesn't sound as good as empowering them and paying them in order to work with them.
2: (laughs) There are moments where you pay because you ask for work and there are moments where you just hang out and you're friends you know because i mean we're all part of the creative industry we all have friends in the creative industry and you meet friends of friends so it's being part of the family and knowing the right moment when you ask for work and therefore you also want to reward the work we are always you know really intentional about.
0: we could say listening to you that shared purpose is a key feature of these collaborations am i wrong
2: yes Yes, it's it's true. I mean, for me, it's um, important to share values as well. And Talking
0: purpose, what motivates you? What are your values? Where, from, from whom did you receive these values? Uh, I know that that you 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 attended Central Saint Martins. You studied at Central Saint Martins in London, but values come from family, from other experiences. Tell us about that.
2: <laughs> That's a beautiful question, and yeah, I'm all about values and um, you know if I think of my life I always love this image of you know seeing my life built on like three four pillars and for me it's faith fashion family and Africa of course there's a strong connection and I really see myself living and you know going through life in that triangle and if I'm really in that spot of faith fashion family and, and Africa it's my sweet spot and I, um, it's, it's really when um, I lived in Tokyo, I got introduced to John Maxwell, and he's an incredible, inspiring um, leader and mentor. And he's all about growth and purpose and inspired me to move from just being a designer who is creating beautiful product for Y3 to somebody who really wants to bring meaning beyond product. And um, that was really, from, from that journey that I started then, that was really how I defined the my, my personal purpose. Who, who is he? Sorry. John C. Maxwell. He's um, really, I mean, I can only recommend, he is famous for a book, The 21 um, Irrefutable um, Rules of Leadership. And, uh, you know, basic is, you know, everybody who has influence is a leader. So that means every one of us, each one of us. And um, he's also famous for saying everything rises and falls um, under leadership. So what does it mean for me as a creative? You know, where am I creating enough space? Uh, and leading myself in a way that I create opportunity and create beauty, not only for myself and a beautiful product, but for other people as well. So that's um, one part. But then of course, um, I mean, from my mother, I mean, she literally brought diverse voices to the dinner table as I was growing up. And whenever somebody came to a small town in Germany, um, from any country, you know, refugees or people who would, just seemed they just started their journey in in our town they always ended up at our dinner table so I learned that from there it was the most normal thing for me um I realized later that this was special to our family not necessarily every family in town but um you know bringing different voices to the to the table is something that I grew up with and that my mom really you know modeled for us and yeah that is is one thing that I still embrace.
1: (laughs) Can I ask what your what your african heritage is and family there
2: yeah so i'm a tanzanian from my father's side and i'm german from my mom's side and many other things you know as we are all many mixes if we are honest um but uh, yeah mostly i'm german tanzanian
0: well it's nyumbani in swahili terms but but because it's the wide swahili community which is across tanzania kenya uh, part of Uganda, the, the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Swahili which is the, spoken in, in slightly different ways in all these places. Tanzania claims to have uh, to master the proper one, the, the, the original and the proper one. In Tanzania it's also a national language, with, there's more literature and all the rest. But yeah, you see we have a lot in common. We consider yes. ourselves at home, Nyumbani in, uh, in that uh, cultural sphere.
1: I'm always interested in this podcast when we get to speak with African creatives or creatives with links to the continent about what we can learn from sustainab- about sustainability from cultures that have lived this over generations before we started to use the, the kind of business vernacular of ESG. Mm-hmm. There's something about sustainability being inherent about respect for resources, respect for... Yeah. Each other. I keep hearing. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what's your take on that?
0: Absolutely, absolutely, Claire. And, and uh, I would like to add a point to the question of Claire, which is about Mitumba. Mitumba is an example of what Claire is saying. So, Sophia, yes. over to you.
2: <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, we can learn so much from um, African designers and and, and craftsmen. And uh, you know, it's one. On the one hand, one thing that I always reminded when I travel to Tanzania or to Kenya is a community, you know, and everything is done in community for community. So with that understanding, you already treat life and, and everything differently, you know, with a lot more respect. And um, the other thing is when you don't have a lot, you start to become very creative and resourceful. And that is something that I always, you know, really admire when I travel in Kenya. And I can see Things that are created from something that we would have thrown away, you know. I mean, we or, are so or quick- from
0: waste because Mitumba from is, waste. is That's wa- what I mean. wasted from waste, clothes you know? that are yeah. recycled and repurposed and resold.
2: Yes, and and it it's never seen as waste. It's just you know it's seen as a They look ways into the eyes and are already inspired to do the next thing, you know. So that for me is so beautiful. And I I, I realize that I'm sometimes too German, you know, and uh, I I might throw things away or, you know, put them to one side when they don't work perfectly too quickly. Whilst I'm reminded then uh, in places like Kenya and Tanzania, no, there is a second and a third life and something new and beautiful can come out of it. So, you know, it's really, I mean, we can learn so much from these places before they learn the things that we shouldn't have done <laughs> on our side. And, and the know? point
0: on community is so important. We, By working in that space, as we started working in that space, we immediately included in our code of conduct respect for community values. Yes. Because this yes. is something without which you do not work, you do not organize, mm-hmm. you do not get people together for a common purpose.
2: Yes. And we were talking about sustainability. And if you think of sustainability in terms of people, you know, the the power, the energy, the strength that you get out of community holding each other, that is something that is sustainable. If you think of ways of working that we can also learn from, it's not only about sustainable product, but also uh, in terms of people.
1: There were two things there that jumped out at me that perhaps we might end on. One was I was thinking about the link between creativity and constraint from a design perspective. And actually, if you think about Y3 or you think about some of that iconic Adidas product, it is quite restrained in terms of yes. its design parameters. So I don't know, there's something in there I was going to ask you about whether or not we might embrace more of that restraint when it comes to design and actually flourish within it. And maybe that's something you understand from your design practice. But when we think about sustainability on a creative level, forget the kind of policy side, Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: think there's something in finding the beauty in less. We talked before about potentially whether it's slowing down or yeah. building things to last, I'm not sure, but that, and then obviously bring it back to the community. But do, do you want to talk a bit about that perhaps as the end? My final question was, was actually around where you think this is headed from a design perspective, but what's your take on what I just mentioned around, I guess it's yeah. less is more, and can that even make any sense when you're talking about, I don't know, sports, fast fashion, fast production, I don't know.
2: You know, I think that's such an interesting question and it's one that we keep our, asking ourselves and it's it's also a value that uh, we want to embrace and that is simplicity, you know. And it's somehow connected to German our German roots as a company and German culture. You know, if you think of Bauhaus, it's all about editing out simplicity, mm. you know, minim, uh, being more minimal in your approach, you know. And it doesn't mean to be boring or to leave the important things out, but really editing it to what is needed, you know, that, I mean, beauty and function, right? That connection, what is really needed to make something functional and at the same time make it beautiful. And um, also in Y3, you know, it was all about a beautiful simplicity. And we have a lot of, I mean, if you think of our Adicolor collection, those very clean, simple tracksuits, three stripes on it, simple, iconic, line. timeless, you know, and never go out of beauty, you know, and everybody can make it their own and you can express yourself. It leaves room to express yourself. And and I think even if you think of um, Dieter Rams, Browns, you know, all these uh, German um, creatives that have shaped a global creative language. And I think, yeah, it's, it's really our German heritage in a way and connection. Cultural connection, and it's something that we want to bring out more and more. You know, as as a brand as well. You know, it's 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 a beautiful value to always work with on a daily basis. Sometimes challenging, and also depending on the time you're in. You know, sometimes fashion or trends uh, speak to something that goes the opposite direction. But for us, it's really an important value.
1: Where do you see this headed in terms of the new generation of designers that you might be working with or who looking to work with you?
2: for me where I would like us to go is um, really bringing more diversity to the campus and uh, in our work, going back to something that is more minimal and, and really um, reminding ourselves what are the core values that we have? What are the core products that we really want to put out in the world and how do we want to bring them out? Who do we want to work with? You know, so um It's really being aware that we are a global brand, we're part of a global brand. I'm a creative in a global brand and it's a privilege, but how can I use this privilege really to bring more diversity in, but really being intentional about the output and not just um, bringing quantity, but quality out there.
1: (laughs) Do you ever feel the tension of the quantity? I mean, I do, just working in fashion. It's hard, right, to balance that tension that we're still making stuff. Oh, you don't?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, "No, not really. (laughs) No, not really. Because I, I do believe, you know, we just have to rethink how we use what we have produced already and bring it back into you know, our cycle of, of, you know, producing things. I mean, we don't have all the answers yet. And we at the beginning, I have to admit that. But this is something that we think about, you know, we have put things out in the world, how can we bring it back, you know, circularity and uh, all this conversation is something that we explore, you know, with every project and see how can we bring it all together so I don't think as humans we will ever stop creating and bringing things out in the world but what are the resources we are, we are using I think that's the question and uh, the beautiful challenge perfect
0: it's perfect nice <laughs> thank you thank you Sophia
1: now you're welcome you're welcome I wanted to say I I'm not I'm probably not allowed to say this but I'm going to say it anyway do we come full circle with you coming back to Kenya <laughs>
2: I would love to say that. That's the
0: best question of the whole podcast series, (laughs) Claire.
2: You know, I would actually love, if you want to add that, I would love to add on a quote from somebody that really inspires me. And that is Albert Albas. And Mm -hmm. before, I mean, he passed away now. But, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I think, when he started the um, AZ uh, brand, he said something that was so powerful and that was, uh, what is good is also beautiful. You know, and for me, that that really stayed with me. And it's really a way to think, you know, of creating beauty and doing something in a sustainable way, in a good way, is at the same time creating beauty. So that is something I would, I would love to just share. And, and it's a quote that for me was so powerful.
0: Let's create more beauty together. Thank you for listening, my friends. Did you enjoy the show? let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at ethicalfashioninitiative.org and we are on Instagram at ethicalfashion.
1: And don't forget to share the episode with your friends and with colleagues and with anyone you think would benefit from it. We love it when you tell other people. I'm going to say that again.
0: Can you help spread the word and share our story with your friends on social media? Our mission is to work towards sustainable development and create long-term impact in the communities where we operate. Through extensive training and mentorship, we build capacity and enable artisans to produce for the international market. Through this program, workers are empowered and can live themselves out of poverty. Not charity, just work.